Finally, 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 after busting my butt and going after a bunch of freelance gigs, finally, the month of January brought me a big gig with a nationwide fitness chain, and I had a huge title. Man, I was wearing that joint like a badge of courage, a badge of honor, a badge period. Everybody I told, yeah, I'm the national da-da-da-da-da-da-da. It was like Christmas in July. Huh. Yeah. But by the end of February, they dissolved the position. Come on, man. And I was right back where I started. Really? Maybe even worse. Because I went around and told everybody what I was doing and canceled all my freelance work. Man, I should have known something was wrong when they had me working on Martin Luther King Day. Seriously, keeping it just 100. But, you know, always willing to get back up after getting knocked down and to keep the funds coming in. I hosted a speaking engagement featuring me on how to overcome adversity in love and life. And then at the event, my audiovisual setup failed. The TV wasn't working with my computer. So a friend of mine took it upon himself to walk up and down the aisles with my laptop while I talked off the top of my head. It was the most raggedy thing ever. I was afraid people were going to ask for their money back, but they liked it. They, they liked it. But by the time that was over, I had spent almost as much money marketing the event as I had received in ticket sales. But I made new contacts and learned that I could get in front of strangers and tell my story. And I learned how to advertise online, thanks to the job that I had just been in that had just gotten dissolved. Come on, 40 daggone days. What a joke. Really? My open marriage married friend wasn't in attendance. She didn't feel comfortable being there for reasons that, you know, for the most part were valid and more to do with her desire to not be around strangers. She bought a ticket, but I wanted her in-person support, not a ticket sale. And the point once again was driven home all over again. Why what I was doing with her was dumb. How just like that night at the restaurant, I asked something of her that actually mattered to me. Not all the other stuff she was doing of her own free will and volition and doing, you know, easily and naturally. And she said no. Again. Doing something that you do and what comes easy to you? Whatever. But when a friend asks something of you and you have to dig into your toolkit to really do that thing or go past a insecurity or get out of your comfort zone to come to the aid or need of a friend then that's a true demonstration of friendship. And just like that, we were off again. Welcome to the Dating After Divorce Survival Guide. After getting his master's degree and getting cursed out, his second master's and getting kicked out, Eric Payne decided to pursue his doctorate and getting his life right and staying in his own lane. But upon getting all his degrees, he realized he was a fish out of water in this new dating landscape. Eric was 28 years old when he met his ex-wife and was newly divorced at 43. The world had changed considerably since the days of StarTech beepers, Motorola flip phones, and Yahoo Chat. It is vicious out here in these new streets where taking pictures of yourself all day long with a phone and posting them on the internet is actually a thing. The Dating After Divorce Survival Guide is the story of Eric's journey from love and marriage to divorce to dating to hopefully love and marriage once more.
In truth, I didn't mind being off and on, and off and on again, and again, and off and on again, because I was at war with how I felt. There was no denying that we were having good times. We were baking in a genuine friendship. We had a bunch of inside jokes and amazing combos that lasted for hours and hours and hours all day. But I simply couldn't get past the fact that she was married and seemed no closer to divorce than when I met her. That deadline she gave me back when we had dinner that fateful night. That night I asked her to leave her husband since she said she was going to divorce him so that we could potentially build a life together. And she told me no and ordered another drink. <sighs> the date she told me she was divorcing her husband that night was fast coming and didn't seem like neither was willing or able to pull the trigger. But what they were doing was they were buying a rental property together, at least talking about it. And they were talking about fixing up the house, or at least she was telling me they were arguing about it. It was bewildering to the point of being almost insulting because she was making pleas for my time and my infection as if I didn't know that she was doing all this stuff with her husband. Girl, you must be crazy. Or at the very least had told me. I mean, if she hadn't told me, then at least I'd be in the dark. And I feel like, you know, in that whole ignorance is bliss thing, I'd feel something. But I know that you, I know you're not leaving your husband. So I, there's no benefit for me to be here based on what was happening between us because we were developing a relationship that was headed nowhere fast. But, you know, the thing that kept us locked in was there was a certain level of codependence, something that my empath from a long, long time ago had told me I carried married energy. That's why I bonded so well with married women, especially married women who were on the outs with their husbands. Our relationship was based around what we were talking about when we first met. Our collective pain and trauma that stemmed from being rejected by the people that we wanted affection from. The people we loved. I know for a fact that was what my deal was. And that's what initially drew me in, among other things. I mean, that other thing being my ghost of New Orleans past. And since we're on the subject of New Orleans, man, that was the first woman, the fir and the first time since being divorced, I was intentional and bold, brazen with my boldness, by letting someone know that I just wanted to get to know them better and see what could happen. I wasn't looking at her as marriage material. I wasn't trying to bed her down because of her body. I didn't need her to fill some sort of emotional hole that I was responsible for filling myself. I just wanted to see what could happen with someone who seemed like a decent human. <laughs> and as I'm thinking about my ghost from New Orleans past, I was like, you know, it's been a minute. Let me see if I should do this thing that I know that I shouldn't do because I swore I would never do it again because back when I was married, I did it and it all or married slash divorce and I did it and all it did was get me into trouble. But I'm going to see if I can handle it because, I mean, this don't make no sense as to what happened. I mean, she stopped returning my phone calls. All my calls went straight to voicemail. So she was denying my calls, declining my calls. I mean, dag, you know what I'm saying? So I did what I swore I would never do based on what I was doing 
as a pup coming out of divorce. I unblocked the ghost from New Orleans past, and I went on her IG. Eh, you know what I'm saying? I ain't find nothing that I didn't already know. There was someone else. Obviously. She was all the way on the West Coast, and I was in the Southeast, in Atlanta, a place she promised to never return to and told me if we was going to do this, she wasn't coming back to Atlanta. But you know, I was willing to work around all that. I mean, somehow we'd find a way, somehow I'd find a way. I ain't had the money at the time to fly out West or fly her East, but I just knew I'd find a way. But maybe she didn't. Maybe she didn't think the same. Maybe it wasn't about me at all. And this brother out the blue came galloping along on a white horse or black horse to not discriminate against black horses or brown horses or spotted horses. And maybe he swept her off her feet. I was genuinely surprised when I saw pictures of them on the gram hugged up. I mean, for real. I have never been a man who has even once hated on another man. I mean, you know, maybe when I was young, young. But as an adult, I have made a point to not hate on men, other men. You might be doing your thing because you're doing your thing. If you with this person, it's because you with this person. If you are great at this, it's because that was what God intended. That ain't got nothing to do with me. And I'm not going to spit on you because in the end, I don't want nobody spitting on me. For real. I don't, I believe 100% in karma and I don't want it. I don't want bad juju in my life. So I do my best to not hate on men or women at all. So, you know, clearly this brother has something that garnered her attention and affection. But I ain't gonna lie. I was surprised when I saw him. I mean, maybe he got money. I don't know. But back to that galloping part. They went to Japan or someplace far, far away at the end of December of the same year we were supposed to be meeting up in November. Come on, man. She documented the damn trip. I don't know if it was Japan. Maybe it was Hawaii. I don't know. It was somewhere far. It was somewhere that required an overnight flight. And she documented it like she was a travel blogger. <sighs> As I continued down that rabbit hole, I was jumping to all kind of crazy conclusions. And there were just too many scenarios for me to contemplate. Which is why it is never a good idea to go looking for answers on social media. Clues for sure, but not answers. You got to go to the person for the answer. And if the person ain't willing to talk to you, I mean, you just SOL and going to have to live with that and, you know, do your best to get whole and move on. In that brief moment that I was on her social media scrolling all over the place, up and down her page, trying to make sense of what may have happened in our timeline by looking at her timeline. Man, I felt the same paranoia creeping all over me that I had when I was all over my ex-wife's social media. I had to shake it off and take a deep breath. There was no reason for me to be invested in this exercise. I mean, it was a waste of my time. It was the past. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. So I just reblocked her and honestly, genuinely wished her well. But again, I ain't gonna lie. It hurt to know the truth or some slice of it. I mean, why didn't she say no thank you to New Orleans? She didn't owe me an explanation for anything, as none of us do, unless you're married or, you know, you're talking to your children or whatever. But a no or I can't would have, it would have been a decent courtesy. Maybe she didn't want to hurt me. Or maybe she wanted to avoid the discomfort of having to hurt me, which is why most people lie. Sometimes they lie to get over, but more times than not, they're lying because they don't want to get into a confrontation with a person, potentially hurt that person, and then in the process have to deal with the guilt, pain, and agony of what that person's response to them is going to be. That's why a lot of times people don't tell people that they love 
ways in which they can improve because they don't want to hurt them or they don't want to deal with the arguments. And then they keep people if they know better. Not that it's these it's not these other people's responsibility to do better, but maybe that person might not know they're not doing better. So anyway, I digress. Not saying anything at all and becoming completely unresponsive hurt me so much more. She spared herself at my expense. And in doing so, I got frustrated and angry and lost sight of myself and released myself of my convictions. And I went and I messed around with that married lady. Open relationship be damned. I mean, I can't ultimately blame my ghost from New Orleans for this, for my actions. And the current space where I was in, doing the exact same thing. And I probably would have done the exact same thing whether she told me or didn't tell me because the, the results were the same. I got rejected. In truth, I got off easy. I know someone who ended up going to Paris by themselves after being stood up at the airport. Thank God my intuition told me better and was nudging the hell out of me and got me to cancel that hotel reservation. I would have been all kinds of dumb driving down to New Orleans, waiting at some airport to pick her up or thinking she was going to meet me at some hotel. I got off easy. Hey, hey, hey. If you're listening to this podcast for the very first time or if you started listening this season, thank you but I'm sure nothing I've just said makes any sense at all because it's out of context. In order to really know what's going on, you have to go all the way back to the beginning. And by beginning, I mean season one, episode one. And I'll, I'll, I, will, I will stand on this promise to you. It's binge-worthy, so you'll get through it quickly. And once you get caught up, you can come back to this episode right here and get your listen on. So as some of the Southerners I currently find myself surrounded by say, Go on now, get. Nah, but seriously, I'd love for you to continue listening to this episode. But in truth, if it's not making any sense, I'll appreciate it even more if you go back to the beginning. So you can see the arc of how a man loses it all. And by all, I mean everything, but gains himself in the process. Now back to this episode. January quickly became February. And I was faced with the prospect of being alone on Valentine's Day as I had most of my life growing up and most of my life while married. My ex thought it was stupid to celebrate love on one day when you should be celebrating it every day or as often as possible. That's real. But I also think it's cool to turn up the romance and mushiness on the day without participating in the commercial nonsense that every holiday currently is. Back in the day, man, I was striking out like Babe Ruth on February 14th. At some point in my early 20s, I remember I was walking to the train after work in New York City and I said, I'm not gonna be home alone tonight, you know what I'm saying? Even if I got to pay somebody, I'm not going to be alone. It was a Friday. And that night I was parked in front of my TV watching dinner and a movie on TBS and eating a barbecue chicken pizza from Pizzeria Uno. You see how that went. Anyway, moving right along. Five minutes later, it was March. It wasn't five minutes, but it sure felt like that. I was out and about here and there. And I was still occasionally off and on with the married, open relationship lady friend who was married but never divorcing her husband. But for the most part, I was flying solo, working out, boxing mostly as I had traded my spin class for that to put distance between myself and the married lady because that's where we met. I was eating well. I caught the flu somewhere along the way. But all in all, all was well. You know, I went on a couple dates here and there, friendly. Nothing really came of anything. I was just out here. But I mean, it was one of those it was one of those downward phases in dating for me where I didn't really need any company. I was just kind of focusing on me. I was minding my business and I was drinking my water. And then I got a text. Hey, I'll be in town this weekend. 
Let's have dinner. The last time I got an impromptu text like that, I was in the restroom of a restaurant trying to skip out early on a date that wasn't going great. If you even want to call it a date. I was at a bar being harassed by a woman and her girlfriend, except for the fact that the girlfriend didn't want to harass me, which caused the woman that I was trying to deal with to become a bit, uh, I don't know, confrontational? Eh, put it lightly. I remember I was in the bathroom looking at myself trying to figure out how I could make a beeline for the front door. That's when C-Sweet Lady shot me that text inviting me to California. And then a month or so later, I had her back pressed against the window in her condo facing the Statue of Liberty. And soon after that, we were painting the town red. Honestly, when I saw this new message, my heart might have skipped a beat because it was from C-Sweet Lady. She had come back around, as people do sometimes. And now, I could feel it. She was ready to reconnect. Yes! Start punching my fist in the air, pumping them actually. Pumping my one fist in the air like Arsenio Hall used to on his show. And then I hit her back on the text. Hey, I'm down. Let me know when you get to town and we can make that happen. I was surprised by how fast our plans came together. It was like when I went to New York all over again. We agreed to meet at one of my favorite Chinese restaurants in Decatur. I got there before her and got us a table. I sat there shifting in the booth trying to sit comfortably, but you know, I, I kept pulling at my clothes trying to make sure my fit looked good, trying to make sure I was you know, comfortable, but that I looked cool so that when she saw me, she'd be like, oh, he looked cool, but I was trying not to look anxious either because I didn't want to look thirsty because it had been a while. I wanted to look like I was chilling and didn't really need her. But I, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it was a lot of that going on because ultimately I was anxious. I had on a pair of jeans. I had on a black sweater that I bought during, you know, my 40-day stint on my job. So I was dressed in new gear. My phone buzzed and C-Sweet Lady told was texting me to tell me she was almost there. Couple minutes later, there she was, dressed in black and rocking heels. I don't think I had seen her in heels before. I mean, she was when we were in New York. She was rocking sneakers, and it was kind of you know casual, or whatever. But she had heels. Her decolletage was out in a tasteful manner, but it was still there for me to see. There was fur around the collar of her coat. I got her from the table and hugged her. I hugged her the way a man hugs a woman when he's really hugging her. Grabbed her around the small of her back, pulled her in close. And she hugged in that way where, you know, a woman is feeling the muscles on a man's body. I told her she looked amazing. She told me she wanted to dress nice for the occasion. And I thought to myself, okay, it's about to be a real good night. We ordered a lot of food, ate, drank, and laughed. She changed positions to an even bigger role at an even more everyday brand that you see so much you probably don't even realize it's there. She asked how things were going on my end, and I tap danced around what happened to me at the fitness chain. And I just spoke on my emotional and physical growth. To which she responded slyly about my physical appearance. And the conversation got a little flirty from there. So I said, so you know I'm taking you home so I can make mad passionate love to you all night. Right? You do know that, right? She laughed heartily, perhaps even mightily. I can't do that. Hmm? My natural assumption was that maybe it was that time of the month. You can't. You have something to do in the morning. You leaving. You got a meeting. No, Eric. I didn't tell you? No, I said, turning my head slightly, embracing myself 
for what clearly was not going to be good news. Tell me what? I'm in a relationship now. Yeah, yeah. He and I have been dating exclusively for the past six months. What? Are you kidding me? Oh, God's green earth, are you out here with me in the rain at nine o'clock at night? Even though I didn't ask that out loud, I guess my face told on me. She explained that she really, really, really wanted to see me and catch up because we were friends. And this was the only time she was available, even though her ass was dressed to the nines. Who wears heels in the rain? Heels like that. She had money. They might have been red bottoms. I don't know. But they were dope. And there was no reason for her to be dressed like that in the rain. And it didn't start raining. It was raining. Now I'm friends. You telling me we friends. I ain't got no say in, in whether we friends or not. Maybe I don't want to be your friend. This ain't kindergarten. She could have worn jeans, sneakers. Or she could have worn overalls for all I care. In fact, I would have preferred if she had. I ain't need all that if she had a man. And I know women dress for themselves. But it was obvious she came out to see that she still had it like that with me. Why bother? Why go through the trouble? We hadn't spoken in months. She blew me off when I literally asked, told her I'd like to see where things could go with her. The exact same way she told me when she got me to come out to see her. A year earlier. A year, it was more than a year, but a year earlier. Then I started doing the math. I sat there in front of her as she moved on to the next subject and continued to talk. And I realized that all I had been was a curiosity. One that once tasted, apparently didn't fit her aesthetic. I wasn't the NCAA coach that jilted her when we were co-workers. I wasn't some industry titan on LinkedIn. I was just Eric Payne, a guy that women wanted to sample but didn't necessarily wish to buy. My ex left when she got tired of being married. A woman who I had talked with daily and then made plans to meet with in New Orleans stopped speaking to me cold turkey after agreeing to go away with me only to go to Japan or something with a man. I mean, maybe he got money. I don't know. Two months later, I was in a completely nonsensical, dysfunctional, off and on relationship with a married woman who neither promised nor showed any signs of leaving her husband. And now I was sitting across the table from a woman who was powerful. If business acumen is something that you decide makes a person powerful, who was just chatting away oblivious to the fact that she was stomping all over my heart. She got hers from me for a weekend and buttered me up for weeks and months leading up to that, then decided someone else was worth her real time. <laughs> what she didn't know was that the Eric Payne I was working to become was gonna be the one she regretted let slipping through her fingers. Because when who I really was, when who I really am emerges, all she's gonna be able to do is tell her little circle of friends that she knew me once upon a time or just keep it to herself and be pissed because she was sleeping. When I was genuinely invested in someone, they weren't invested in me. Every time I came to the table with my heart, it got handed back to me every single damn time. But when I didn't care at all, I had my pick of the litter and I was dissatisfied, empty and alone no matter how much company I had. What an awful, awful paradox to be in. I dropped a bonus episode called Dating in My 40s. It's a little bit more on the serious side of things. It is actually the audio narration of an article that I wrote for Medium. If you haven't listened to it already, give it a listen, please. 
if you like. If you want to hear a different side of things and understand with a little bit better context or a little bit more real life context, not that this isn't real life, but of the pain that I kind of went through and overcame to get to where I am now to be able to tell the story that I'm telling you every couple of weeks the way I tell it without any kind of like sour grapes or whatever. So hope you check it out. I got quiet after that. And dinner thankfully came to an end. I paid, dropped C-Sweet Lady back to her car, and jokingly put it out there one more time that I was more than willing to make mad, passionate, sweet love to her all night long instead of having her go home to her mom's house. She laughed, but politely declined. I congratulated her on her new man. I mean, what else was I going to do at that point? I wished her well and told her I was happy that she found love. What else was I going to say at that point? It was raining even harder, which made the prospect of going home alone even worse. She asked me to text her to let her know I got in safely. She hugged me across the seats, kissed me on the cheek, and was gone. I drove home cursing myself for being so gullible and contemplating what that was even about. Along the way, I, I just came to accept that some people, both men and, and women alike, I mean, shoot, maybe even me, I'm sure I've done it at some point and didn't necessarily re realize it or think of it that way, simply like to know they can always come back to a place and do it on their own terms. What she did wasn't uncommon, and it wasn't necessarily sinister. It was definitely self-serving and ego-driven. Why me? Why am I asking why? I know what the answer is. There is no answer. There's never an answer to why. Why? Why? Because... It was meant to be, otherwise it wouldn't have happened. So I decided right then and right there, I wasn't gonna be that place for anybody. I mean, unless maybe I wanted to. But in that moment and the foreseeable future thereafter, I didn't see myself ever wanting to. I got home, I texted the sweet lady as she asked, and of course, I got no response. I scrolled through the entirety of our text messages that went back for years, as far back as to when we were simply co-workers, back when I was married and she was appreciating me for being a devoted father and husband. And honestly, those were probably the seeds of the curiosity, planted years in advance of our meeting up in New York. I huffed out a laugh and deleted everything in one swipe, and then I deleted her as a contact in my phone. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. But actually, that's not true. I didn't gain what I wanted, but I did gain the knowledge of what I don't want for me, being at the mercy and whims of another who cares more about their ego than they do for me. I climbed into bed, turned out the lights, and just laid there, staring into the darkness, disgusted. A brother definitely needed to start setting some standards and some boundaries and honoring them for real, for real. I want to dedicate this episode to the memory of a friend of mine who transitioned on January 31st of this year. He was an old co-worker, a fellow father like me, similarly to a boy and girl like me, and a listener to this show. We communicated often, but not enough. I'm not saying this because he passed. I'm saying this because I wanted to talk to him more. It was on my heart to talk to him more. But when we did speak, we spoke and we 
definitely left the experience better for each time we spoke. He was a widow. His wife passed a few years ago. Him now being a single man and him also knowing I had this podcast and him being in the workplace with me when I was getting ushered out the building with my one box, he saw. He saw the transformation and he heard it. So he asked for advice here and there about how to navigate whatever this is that us 40-plusers find ourselves in when we're single, especially as black males. He also was a DJ and dabbled quite a bit in music production, as I understand it. He complimented me on the production of this podcast and how seamless music seemed to, how seamless the music seemed to be integrated into it. He said it sounded super professional, and considering that I do all my editing, I do all the sourcing of my music, and over time I've pretty much built a makeshift studio in my house where I concept and produce this thing all by myself. I took that as a major compliment coming from him. What stands out to me the most in my memory of this man, his name was Hassan Durley, is Hassan Durley, is a brief encounter when we bumped into each other in 2020. I was sitting on a sidewalk outside an Indian restaurant eating because there was no indoor dining because it was 2020. I was on a zero date and he saw me before I saw him. So he ran up on me and scared the absolute bejesus out of both of us. And once I realized that I wasn't going to have to fight because it was him, I laughed and we hugged and he smiled at me. And that smile he gave me, which I'm sure he flashed at everyone, lit something up inside of me. It just made me feel whole in the one or two moments that it happened. It was incredible. I can't describe how this simple hug and smile made me feel. If you know what it's like to really be happy to see someone and have them be equally happy to see you, that's just the tip of the iceberg of what this exchange I had with him. It was so random and so, you know, like common, to be honest with you. And that moment has stood out to me ever since. I think about it a lot, and I don't even know why. And of course, we text, but that moment mattered. The man that Hassan was, and now I'm sure is in heaven, made everyone feel that way. And that was evidenced by the hundreds who attended his homegoing service that I attended. I'm not angry nor resentful, or do I wish to escape this pain that I'm currently in because of the loss that I have of him, because I'm in pain right now. I am, but I'm grateful for this pain because it is evidence that I loved him that much and he impacted my life that much without doing anything more than simply being himself. Hassan Durley was a giant among men and yeah, he's gone too soon, but he lived a full whole life in his 47 years on this earth and he left so much behind in the hearts and minds of so many people. And that's what it's all about. Because you can't take nothing with you, but you can leave everything behind. And is what you leave behind, I finally now understand, that truly, truly matters. I'm not talking about, oh, you know, you can't take it with you. And then you're talking about a car or a house or whatever. No, I'm talking about momentous moments in the hearts and minds of others. That is what we all hold on to when someone special to us passes away what they left behind. So I'm going to sit in this pain because this pain is proof that whatever it was I had with him, fleeting, passing, here and there, infrequent, whatever it was, it was genuine. He departs from us, 
those of us who knew him, but he returned home to his wife of 22 years who transitioned a few years ago. There's a GoFundMe for his kids. He has, like I said, a boy and a girl like I have a boy and a girl, and they are now orphans and they need a village. So should you want to just learn a little bit more about him, you can check out the link and do whatever your heart guides you. To each of you, I say I love you. And to him, I say, no more wandering through this life, my friend. Party on and keep smiling. And thank you.